down like notes while I was watching it. And the one I wrote, my first note was like written very quickly. I wrote Jigen. It was supposed to be Jigen had the best hand for the fifth day in a row, but it says Jigen, best hoe, fifth day in a row. So. <laughs> so I mean, you're not wrong. I mean. <laughs> and so, on that note, welcome to Cyburns and Cigarettes, a part of their podcast. <laughs> a podcast about a monkey faced thief, his friends. And their many adventures. They hoes. They hoes. That's right. This is how we're starting this episode. Indeed. Indeed. Welcome to the show, Fuck everyone. Fuck get money. <laughs> this is our weekly reaction series to part six, Ladies Night. And tonight we are covering episode 14. What's the title? Uh, the Mirage Woman. That's what it was. Oh, yeah, so we're continuing the witch versus the witch and gentleman arc. I think that's the title, right? Is it Gentleman and Witch or Witch and Gentleman? It's one of the two. Some variation I think, on that. I think it's well, Witch and Gentleman. Those. I think it's Witch and Gentleman. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so, to kick off our conversation, uh, Natalie, how did you feel about this week's yeah. episode? I loved it. Honestly, I did. Um, again, I'm, I'm still trepidatious and still, like, holding my breath for this overarching storyline because I... Again, I wasn't viscerally disappointed, but I was disappointed with um, the Sherlock versus Lupin storyline. However, even with me not really consulting or looking back at the marketing, I am really enjoying these first two episodes. I, I hope they continue with this momentum. Um, I will say that, um, again, and I'm going to be repeating it, they stole my story, but not really. And I say this because... Um, well, they, well, they kept some elements from, from what I wrote again, I'm not saying they did, but in referencing in my own story, they kept a lot of things that I figured would have happened in Lupin's childhood. Like it didn't surprise me that his grandfather would not necessarily torture him, but, um, put him through this rigorous training to become, um, what do you call it? Um, to become worthy of the of the title the third um it doesn't surprise me that somebody had to taste test his food for poison um and it doesn't surprise me and i'm not, and i'm very happy about this that tomoy is not lupon's biological mother she's more like a adoptive mother slash mother figure so that i was happy with but i was also like damn it we're never gonna know who lupon's real mom is it's okay i'm happy with that because in my head canon she was an opera singer let's just leave it at that but also what you i know, did enjoy just, uh, just give it another 50 years we'll we'll eventually meet her <laughs> 100th anniversary of lupon and we finally <laughs> learned who who his mom is by then i'll be man 50 years i'll be in my seven no i'll be in my 80s fuck that but no, but basically real quick, other thing, other elements that I did enjoy about it, it was an actual Lupin episode, like old Lupin episode. There was an actual heist involved, action Zenigata. Let's get that out there, action Zenigata. And also, um, I, I will say this because I saw this on Twitter today. Um, somebody, they wrote in Spanish and I just wanna give them a shout out. Maybe I'll say it in Spanish. But they were genuinely surprised how well um, the animators did the setting for Mexico. And I got to give that shout out, too, because, you know, 
I'm always afraid when animes do um, have a setting in Latin America, particularly in Mexico, because if nobody knows this, my mom immigrated from Mexico. So yes, technicality, I am Mexican. And I've seen like in other animes is very, I don't want to say racist because I know there was no ill intentions when people did it, you know, when the animators or story writers um, wrote settings in Mexico, but it was overtly racist. G Gundam comes to mind. Like what, why the fuck would Neo Mexico be shaped like a sombrero? But um, the setting was well done. They mm. really used Google maps, I guess, or Google photos. <laughs> well, even the, the $1,000 peso that, um, that the Elvira um, group was stealing from that bank was legit. Like I'll even I'll even put the screen caps on my Twitter, but that that shit was legit. So, yeah. Sorry, it's just, this episode made me really excited. So, no, no, it's all good. They, that, like no. these last last two episodes, <laughs> there's been a lot to gush about. So, like, no need to worry about it. Yeah. So on that note, Chris, <laughs> you know, uh, you mentioned the whole thing about you know how well other countries are represented in this series, and I think a lot of that goes back to part four. Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, they had a really good excuse because it seemed it was partially made in Italy. But, but yeah, I think it's just, I guess, just like the way the world is now, it's just so much easier to research these sort of things mm-hmm. and make sure yeah. you know you get, them, you get them right, as opposed to, you know, even stuff like part two and three. You know, there's like you know a friend of ours loves pointing out the, uh, oh, what is it, uh, the hills in Amsterdam, and uh, <laughs> uh, hiding my treasure. Yeah, there's no hills in Amsterdam. No, there's not. Also, if you're listening, hi, Kara. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, and so, again, like, you know, with the way things are nowadays, it's it's so much easier to research these things and, you know, not make embarrassing mistakes like that. But, yeah, as for the episode itself, I'm of, like, two minds when it comes to uh, Tomoe not being Lupin's actual mother. But at the same time, I'm okay with it. I mean... It's like Lupin says, and it's like, yeah, I can't give too much away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, that was interesting how the title sequence for this arc got rid of the uh, Lupin the Edge Lord filter in some shots, mm-hmm. but the flashbacks in this half are using it a lot. <laughs> and I just thought that was kind of interesting. And I also like that we never get to see young Lupin's face. Mm. You know, everything is shot through his perspective. But I really love how all five main characters were utilizing this. Like they were all badass, you know, and I, I feel like the, I feel like the biggest scene in the whole episode is when Lupin has his Walther pointed or like press, press right up against Mercedes forehead. Oh God. Oh. And, I mean, that was intense. Mm-hmm. Very, but also really cool. <laughs> and, and of course I love the way that he just says bang instead of actually pulling the trigger. Mm-hmm. Before it again, I like the uh, I like the payoff of the whole thing with the uh, uh, ladybug projectors that we saw last week. Mm-hmm. I thought that was that was really clever. I was kind of confused why Fujiko seemed to teleport in there, but then oh yeah, All right, ladybugs. <laughs> yeah, it's just I mean, like it wasn't particularly funny, but well, I guess the whole thing about uh, Goemon's cooking was pretty amusing. But oh yeah, <laughs> but it was just a <laughs> yeah. Uh, again confirmed like 
Jigen and Goemon are really the Gorman days of the group. <laughs> but yeah, I, I liked it. You know, it's uh, a lot of drama, a lot of action. You know, I like the uh, looks into Lupin's Lupin the Third's past. Yeah, good stuff. All right, how about you, Drew? So yeah, um, damn. Man, like, I, I, it's so nice to have two episodes in a row that are, like, maybe the best paced in part six so far. Like, so much happens. Like, like oh, a, a wide range of events have happened, like, the last two episodes. Like, you get the really quiet, kind of sweet, almost too sweet. Um, I was almost thinking moment between Lupin and Matea in the hospital. You get, like, the goofy thing with all of them. With soba noodles, and then you got like this heist in Mexico, and then the, the big final showdown with 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 with, with Lupine and, and the Elvira gang. Like again, and, and there was also that really nice breather of a moment where where Lupin, Jigen, and Goemon are in that like uh, they're in their little little you know kind of rundown hideout around the campfire, which kind of reminded me of Mamo a little bit almost. I don't know why I specifically thought of Mamo, but just kind of like that. That whole rundown hideout with a little campfire sort of thing reminded me of that, like general vibe, which I enjoyed. I think the the, the line of dialogue that really made that I don't want to say put me at ease, but like really made me know like this was in good hands was the reveal of when Tomoe was revealed to not be Lupin's mother. Jigen has the line of, uh, and here I was thinking this was a chance to learn about your roots, which was a nice little <laughs> nod. And then Lupin mm-hmm. responds with them, uh, you know, well, if I do have a real mom out there somewhere, I'd like to have the chance to meet her myself. But then, like, with that said, we still get a pretty substantial look into his past regardless. So it's not like, you know, a tease and like, 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 you know, I is not his mother, you know, but that's about all we can say. You actually do, like, understand, like, you know, his grandfather sent him to her. Like, he learned his thieving mm-hmm. skills, like maybe even like his, like, like, you know, his gunman skills from her. You find out he learned from her that I'm... Um, was it when deceiving someone, you should always take not double, but triple measures, which I really love. And Chris, you mentioned the, uh, the payoff of the ladybugs in the last episode. I also love how this episode uses the setup and payoff because that line pays off like in spades in that final scene when you just got like these two gangs of thieves, like trying to one up each other. Like that was genuinely tense because you got like Lupin saying, Mm -hmm. Jenkins outside. Well, I'm closing all the windows. And then like, like he's chasing after her and like, well, maybe that's not Lupin. Lupin is this guy right here. That's not Mercedes. Mercedes is this person. Like it was so fucking cool and just like gripping the whole time. It was almost like a, it's like a more serious version of Spy versus Spy. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's a really good yeah, way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, showing how much of a you know mad fan Monkey Punch was, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's just like you know everybody out gambiting each other. And and all these, you know, twists and turns are piling up, and so good. Yeah, it makes you generally curious. He's looking on top. Yeah, it's great. And like, sorry, I didn't mean good job there. Oh no, it's okay. It's yeah. all good. Go, go ahead, Natalie. You were going to say something. Well, I just wanted to chime in about this whole thing about um, the Tomoe reveal, and you know, Lupin, you know, with with Jigen asking him, and here I thought we were going to learn about your roots, and he's like, eh, if I have a real mom out there, who knows who she is me of two things and i did mention with one thing i did mention this in the previous episode where if they go the alan moore route of um you know um the killing joke and the joker telling batman if i were to have um if i were to have um 
a pass, pass. I'd, rather I'd, rather, yeah, I'd rather be multiple choice. So again, I don't know if I can really trust that this was Lupin's pass. I like to think it was, mm -hmm. but I still feel like on top of the whole, she's not my real mom reveal. That might probably be a thing that whole like, eh, mm -hmm. maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And it would not oh. surprise me. Oh yeah. No, me either. There's a, there's a bit in a, in the uh, Tokyo pop translation of the manga where, somebody is talking to Zenigata and you know he says yeah Lupin told me this and Zenigata's like oh really Lupin aka Mr. Bullshit yeah <laughs> although it turns out that that was actually Lupin in disguise saying that about himself but <laughs> well he calls himself <laughs> so, Mr. Bullshit and, and, and yeah, freely exactly. admitted it I guess <laughs> right he, he's very self-aware about it but fact, he can't be trusted yeah but also this whole thing about the mom I, I again going back not I'm I, I promise you I'm not going back to my story I'm going back to Carmen San Diego and it reminds me of the plot they did in the Netflix Carmen San Diego see in the original cartoon um and this is how they ended the series and I'm still pissed off about this but um in the original series Carmen steals from somebody that looked like her dad like she was orphaned in San Francisco she was left as an orphan in San Francisco and she has a locket remembering her parents and then she realizes oh did I just steal from my dad but they do the killing joke thing at the end of the series where it's like maybe that was my dad maybe it really wasn't and what they did with the Netflix show with the Netflix revival is that they give her a dad the dad was a um, an Acme operative and one of the big five they named him haha ha. they named him dexter wolf um and you know wolf tries to leave vile but couldn't dies in the middle of it and they try to figure out who her mom is and they find so long story short they get the deed to the house to a house that burned down the the name was a code name and they go to the grave because you know the, the owner of the property died, but when they opened the grave, there was nothing in the grave. And Carmen Sanio goes, maybe we would have rendezvoused, but it feels nice to know I have a mom out there. And I'm just, and you know, I'm watching this with Lupin. I'm just like, did they just steal from the Netflix Carmen Sanio or did they make it better? And I think they made it better, honestly, because. Well, I mean, both Lupin and Carmen are master thieves, so. Yeah. It's true. Good artists borrow, great artists steal. Exactly. So, I mean, I, it doesn't bother me, but it's just, you know, this whole thing about Tomoe, it makes it even more intriguing. And, and mm -hmm. that's what I'm enjoying about it. Because, like, and, and we've mentioned this again. Hi, Kara. This whole thing about how Tomoe, I don't want to say indoctrinated, but taught Lupin, um, it really does put into question his relationship dynamics, which we're not going to explore and I don't want them to explore again in, in, in part six because they did enough of it in um, in part five. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a discussion for another time, though. Mm -hmm. um, uh, speaking of uh, of his dynamics with the other gang members, and I'm going to echo what Chris said earlier, I really love how they have utilized all the gang members, like, excellently like everyone's got meaningful screen time they're all written incredibly well yes. like you've got like the even down to just like the little moment of like jigen and goemon bickering like like the card game they play back and forth with the with the uh, the napoleon <laughs> cards and like who makes dinner every night yeah. like that was great but then you've got I, like i don't uh, i don't want to cut you off here but that's all good. i'm still 
so happy that they've that they've made such a callback to my favorite episode of part one. Oh yeah, it's like you know, you know, I mean, you know, if if you guys listen to this on a regular basis, you guys know how much I adore uh, the gangs all here playing card operation. So I was really happy mm-hmm. when that when that got pointed out to me that uh, yeah, you know, that they're holding on to uh, that particular deck. Mm-hmm. And it's cool that it's not just like a throwaway a throwaway reference. Like it actually kind of means something. Like you know, like the little the little day to day bits with them. So like that was fun, and like Fujiko showing up and getting like one of the coolest moments of the episode when when Jigen fires the uh, the uh, the tracer on Mercedes's convoy, and like they they fire the smoke bombs. Sinigata, Yata, and uh, yes. Ari, I think, oh are like all kind of confused. And Ari, Fujiko yeah. just appears in the smoke, gives her the phone, and just smiles and goes back in. That was the <laughs> coolest <laughs> fucking thing. It's, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm loving in general how Part Six is reminding us. You know, Fujiko's a master thief herself. Yeah. Yep. It's it's so nice to see it again. Ah, and while so the dynamic has certainly changed between, I'm not saying the dynamic has fully changed between Lupin and Fujiko. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the previous episode, Fujiko completely slocked him and I, he probably enjoyed it, but you know, oh, yeah. there's still that dynamic too. between them. Yeah. That, that Catwoman <laughs> Batman dynamic as uh, Guillaume um, pointed out when we were uh, talking about the episodes um, back in Switzerland, but Again, like I, I will say this. They, I feel like all the proof is given to me that they are canonically married. Nothing has changed between them, but the dynamic has been upped a little bit. Like even at the end of this episode, as they're contemplating what their next move was going to be, even Fujiko's looking at him all caringly, like, "Okay, well, what are we going to do? What is our mm-hmm. next move?" So, I love how she is being utilized a lot better. Um, yeah. lately but i also love that while the dynamic is more affectionate and more you know there's less of a backstabbiness to her um there's more of a working you know there's more working with lupon and the gang sort of thing like i'm mm-hmm. i'm all here for it i love it oh yeah, yeah same it kind of goes back to how a lot of my favorite early episodes of part two don't feature a fujiko betrayal it's like it features all four of them working together Mm-hmm. You know, that's true. Mm. And you, know, you see yeah, that in part three as well, and it's, and it's a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, uh, and, 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 like, on this kind of similar train of thought, with how the with, with regard to how the characters are written, it's really nice that, like, in this arc, a show called Lupin the Third, the character Lupin the Third actually gets a lot of, like, care in the screenplay and, like, actually has the spotlight on him. Like, I really loved, like how dynamic he was in this one. Cause in the opening he comes to visit, uh, uh, Matea at the, uh, the hospital. And for like a minute, I was thinking like, all right, all right. Yes. I have seen Cagliostro. I know how sweet Lupin can be. <laughs> we're, get, we're getting into like Nostradamus territory of like, you know, you know, Lupin, the philanthropist, just like it, it was teetering there, but then it balanced out by like, Again, that quiet moment where they, he was like contemplating what was happening on the rooftop, the moment when they're at the traffic stop and the light turns green, and he's too caught up in what happened the previous day. And then, as Chris mentioned, that ending scene when he holds the gun to Mercedes' head, like the lines of dialogue he has 
are uh, the first one. Of the first lines is "End of the line. This is where you die." And I was like, "Oh no, this isn't Lufon the philanthropist." Oh boy, like I'm sure he's. <laughs> but then he keeps going and mentions like you know stealing it has deadly consequences. And it cuts to that like flashback of Tomoe being repeatedly shot. And I'm like, are they actually going to do this? And then after that, he says, fine. This was one that stuck with me. He says, fine, we're done here. And that is the deepest and scariest I've ever heard Kenichi Kurita's voice like drop to. Agreed. He's not done this in the weekend movies either. And then he mentions Mercedes, your time will never come. And you're like... (laughs) Like, oh, fuck, he's going to do it. <laughs> but then he pulls the Spike Spiegel, which, good move. Yeah, I, honestly, I never thought that, I never thought Lupin was actually going to pull the trigger on her. Mm-hmm. No, because, me neither. Because, like, like, even in the manga, there's a bit where he says, at least in the Tokyo Pop version, I refuse to kill uh, kids, women, or cops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's been pretty consistent. You oh, know, yeah. You know, throughout the franchise. Even in even in nitty gritty Lupin, like you know, Drew, you mentioned even the Koikia films, which are like they go from zero to a hundred, and it's a different mm-hmm. tonality from you know the more the more conventional Lupin stuff. Um, he's never, you know, he's never been officially dangerous when it mm-hmm. came to women, children, or even cops. It's always been like either in self defense or if the person was you know, really asking for it if they're mm-hmm. really, truly scum. But even if they were really, truly scum, um, killing them was basically a um, a last resort sort yeah. of thing. Right. I guess I, 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 I kind of had, like, one thing that popped in the back of my head because I'm, I'm like, he's not going to do it. But then I remember the ending of Angel Tactics. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure about that. Yeah, but that Angel- was different. It was I always thought he was super cold-hearted at the end of Angel Tactics. Like, I think like he did it in self-defense, but at the same time, it's like, goddamn, dude, heck, <laughs> like he's he's mm-hmm. mean at the end of that one. But also, and again, I like I like that he he didn't go that far in, the, in this episode, though. I, I really appreciate no, that. Agreed. Yeah. I just got worried with that fine, we're done here line. I'm like, I've never heard Kadichi Kurita deliver a line like that. What the hell's about to happen? <laughs> I, uh, Again, Karita was was outstanding in this one. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, you know, right right from that very first scene in the hospital. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, like he takes on like a whole different tone, mm-hmm. you know, while talking I'm, to the girl. Yeah, it, sorry, sorry, but like I just wanted to get in there. Like I'm truly interested to hear once this gets dubbed um, how Tony Oliver would do that because if you guys recall in part five. There's that scene in one of the first few episodes when you get to Ami's storyline where, you know, Lupin points a gun at a bunch of thugs who are trying to assault um, I, I Ami. That, yeah. And he tells them, you know, it, it's when Kan when Kanichi Kurata did it, it was it, it was terrifying. It was very well done. Um, and then when Tony Oliver did it, and like no disrespect to Tony Oliver, I, I love him. He's my OG Lupin. That's the Lupin I grew up with. Um, it just didn't hit very well. Like he, he was able to bring that fear, that like scary tonality to it, but it didn't feel terrifying like Kenichi Kurata did it. And he did, and Kenichi Kurata did the same thing in this episode, especially when it came to Mercedes. I have a feeling it might be the same thing, but again, I don't want to. I don't want to make assumptions. I just hope and pray that it will come out good. 
even if it doesn't come out as good as I wanted to, I will still support and love, you know, the OG cast because again, that's the that's the cast I grew up with. Yeah. So. You know, uh, you know, it's not going to happen, but I'm suddenly very interested to see how uh, Keith Silverstein would do it. Oh God. Ooh. Yes. Oh man, that'd be that'd be intense. <laughs> I can see it now. We'll be watching it. We're like, I don't know if I'm scared or aroused. No, like that's king shit right there. I'm getting horny. <laughs> I, I'd like to think that Stupid Tony Oliver has it in him because of his performance as the. Uh, this is that's not really a spoiler, but as as one of the villains in Gungrave, because I forgot he was in it till I watched that with my brother recently. I'm like, wait, that's Tony Oliver, and Tony oh, Oliver's hi. scary. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Who was he again? Was he uh, the, the brother? Henry or Harry or something? I think it's Harry. Let me see. Gungrave it is... Yep, it's Harry. I fucking rem- I fucking knew it. Yeah, I remember he was Harry. And oh, I gotta rewatch that. Because I legit gotta remember how that was. I'm genuinely curious. And like, I'm sure they may show up a little bit. But since like we've got that poster for this arc with all the other uh, women that are going to be appearing, I wonder if like... For the most part, if we're done with Matea and Mercedes and the Elvira gang, we're going to be moving on to like whoever the other women are we got glimpses of and that are on the poster. Like, are they also like trainees of Tomoe? Because like it was kind of odd to have that montage of them all like watching the events with uh, with Mercedes and Lupin taking place on the rooftops. So like, I imagine like they're going to be like some of the next like you know characters taking the spotlights in the main episodes coming up I, i'm really excited to see how they're all going to factor into it because i'm sure they're going to especially with all like the super distinct character designs they have well and Probably. i don't think i don't think we're quite done with the elvira gang either i mean like we're only mm-hmm. two episodes into it and you know mercedes and tomoe don't really seem to kind of people to just let this thing go yeah so so i'm, I'm sure we'll be seeing more of them soon Oh yeah, well, definitely Tomoe. Like, I'm, not, I'm sorry, I was more referring to like, like, like Matea and Mercedes's characters since she got arrested at the end. But Tomoe, it seems, it seems like this arc is going to be Lupin like on a on like you know kind of a, a trek to find her. And I bet that's where the we're going to ultimately end up, like at the finale or something. Especially, I'm hoping we get more than five episodes with this arc, and I'm kind of positive we will, given how many characters we're going to be dealing with. I, I, I'm interested to see like how this one's going to be paced and how it's going to play out. It, it would not surprise me, honestly, that it goes to this quest of Lupin finding what really happened to Tomoe. Mm-hmm. Referencing my own story again, the, the, the start of the story that I wrote was what actually happened to Lupin's mother and why was she murdered? And, you know, it takes Lupin and I do the stupid thing of having my own fillers in it, but it takes Lupin a couple storylines before he gets to the climax to find out, oh, so yeah, I know my mom was murdered, but why but here's a reason why. And he's just so hellbent on finding out. And it wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me, at least how I'm seeing the writers approaching this, is Lupin does want to find answers because he did think, as he as shown in the episode, he did think that Tomoe died. Mm-hmm. But even he had to kind of like what do you call it um ground himself and realize because it's because the line wasn't only played once it was played twice mm-hmm. the whole when deceiving others you have to deceive them i'm sorry I'm, I'm probably getting it wrong here but what was the line again um 
Um, uh, that Tomoy says when oh, um, it's uh, when deceiving when deceiving someone, you should always take not double but triple measures. Exactly, and I'm pretty sure her death was was fucking rigged. Like, oh yeah, she, she played that out because how if she had other proteges, how the fuck did she have other proteges after Lupin? Unless you know it was her fucking zombie, which that, I highly doubt it. Um, I may be looking at this too literally, but how many times was Tomoe shot? I can't recall. Um, I think I know where you're going with this. Was she shot three times? I think she might have been shot three I mean, times. I may, be, I may just be taking it too literally, but... Hey, it'd be, hey, it'd be like a fun cinematic parallel. <laughs> be very fitting. Yeah. <laughs> like, it wouldn't surprise me that after she did what she did, she would have known... I have a feeling that this was probably like the guards of the Lupin estate or something. Maybe Arsene Lupin... The OG Arsene Lupin had enough money to like pay for bodyguards, but you know, probably the guards of the estate were told to to shoot on sight, and she knew it, and so she was prepared to fake her own death. And it would not surprise me because that would even be a move that Lupin would pull. Yes, how many, many fucking times, times does yep. Lupin play dead? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, what what if Grandpa Arsene was was in on this? Wouldn't surprise me if he was in on it nah, too. Yeah, I was gonna say it, that, that is that is right up his alley. Yeah, that kind of thing. I mean, how many times do you fake do you fake his own death or pull cons like this in the novels? I mean, it's yeah, he's done this. He's done yeah, this in exactly. the novels. Right. So, like I said, I again, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I could be like this could be like right up there with my what if Lily killed Doctor Watson. Hypothesis, no, but not this, this one's shit again. This one's a bit more plausible, though. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. <laughs> Lily, killed. I still can't believe someone said Lily killed Watson. Yeah, it would have been shit. more interesting. I, know, I still can't believe either one of you would have said it. I mean, in a way, she did, but that's neither here nor there. This is true. That was, you know, we're done with all that. Move on. <laughs> Thank new, God. new Pepe Silvey board. <laughs> right. So the dickheads. Y'all, um, <laughs> <laughs> leave the dickheads in part one. Oh my god! Hey, hey, hey Drew, don't hey. listen. You can, you can put those you can put those dickheads wherever you want. Hey, and this was pointed out by this was pointed out by. <laughs> hey, it, hey, it can't be tangentially like connected because as a Tabby Wolf quote tweeted me the other day, the silhouette of Lupin's childhood home looks shockingly like. The hideout from part one slash Goemon's blood spray. So there are connections here. <laughs> well, I know, I know my, I know my hypothesis about the uh, Elvira gang all being clones of Mercedes, you know, made by Mamo. That was kind of shut down by this episode. Yeah, unfortunately, it still surprises me though that like, even though the explanation was given, just like all these crew members are willing to disguise themselves as their leader. It's a little, it's a little, it's a little egotistical, but oh, yeah. know, whatever. That bitch is already in prison. So I still question, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm fully happy with the setting of Mexico, especially because it, it looks, you know, again, even the, this person on Twitter, um, I highly doubt they, they um, follow us, but um, as I'm looking up this now, I do recall them saying in Spanish they were afraid because, like, oh, it's set in Mexico. There's probably going to be 
yeah, they said, um, cuando dijeron que este capítulo de Lupin the Third iba a ser en Mexico, esperaba ver más nopales. Basically, when they said this was going to be set in Mexico, I was expecting cactus. And I was expecting that too. <laughs> um, and I'm just going to translate it. Um, I was surprised to find that they knew how to reference the location very well. In this case, the Museum of the Bank of Mexico, although here they take it as an active bank and not an actual museum, which... Yeah, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Mm -hmm. They even yeah. had the the house of Los Azuelos near the <laughs> near the Cinco de Mayo Street because this is in the Efe. This isn't in like some obscure Mexican state that nobody knows where it is. Mm -hmm. um, Jigen and Goemon were actually on top of the the National Second Building, which is like a you know in the same vicinity. And even, you know, the a thousand pesos look accurate. But my only question is, on top of all this, why the fuck are you stealing pesos? <laughs> if you know anything about conversion, the peso's kind of weak right now. <laughs> are, they, are they trying to get back at the cartels? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Going back to uh, Mercedes Gang for a bit, though. Am I the only one that was a little disappointed that it turned out that they weren't all women? No, I wasn't. I was a little bit, I think. I think it would be kind of cool if they were all ladies. Yeah. But, no, Mercedes is the only one. It would have fit with the theme of this. I mean, I mean, according to the Rise of the Series, the theme of this arc is woman. Right. Just you, woman. You Not just any woman. Woman. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, it's like, I mean, you raised a good point. Though. It's like, it's woman, not women. Ah. So I guess I shouldn't have been too surprised in uh, retrospect. <laughs> Even though I know uh, Japanese doesn't really do plurals like that. Mm -hmm. Or really at all, from my understanding. This is also, um, it, it may seem to not be related, but I will loop it back around to some relation. I was, I, I, I got kind of cracked up on a rewatch when uh, when Mercedes gets arrested. Um, I love the bit where Zinigata, you know, bursts through the door. He yells Lupin. Lupin's already gone. Mercedes is just <laughs> there with her head hung low. It just cracked me up because I'm going to post it in the Discord server, but it reminded me of uh, the sad Sagat shot from Street Fighter 2, the animated movie. Oh, and when God, you, yes. When you see the picture, you're going to see the exact parallel <laughs> of... <laughs> I'll post this on Twitter as well, but Mercedes was pulling, was pulling the sad Sagat pose. <laughs> And that is related because Gisaboro Sugi directed Street Fighter 2 and he directed the Lupin the Third pilot film. So this is on topic. Oh, hey, how about that? He also directed oh. Twilight Gemini, but we're not going to dwell on that. I won't hold it against him. No, let, let's wait till like we actually do that um, review like seven years down the road. Get, get um. Get Aficionados Chris back up on here and he could just oh, rip my it God. apart because he, he hates that special as much as we do. Uh, <laughs> I don't hate it. I think it's outstandingly yeah. mediocre, but I don't hate it. That's fair enough. For it. It's more than mediocre, not, but we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I hate it, but I, I would I would agree. I, I would say painfully mediocre, but mediocre is a very solid word for it. It's just, yeah. it's there. Unfortunately. Yeah, it's got more uh, faults than high points. But unlike Twilight Jim and I, this episode, again, I, I, I love how these last two have been paced 
just excellently like you you get to the eye catch and so much has happened and not in like a way where it's like all crammed together like i don't know like how you feel oh, about yeah. it but it, like it just flows really well which it does it's kind of stands in yeah, stark contrast like, with some of the lupin versus holmes episodes right yeah. it's like it's like whenever i get to the to the uh eye catch i'm like hold on it's only been 11 minutes feels like i've been here an hour I know, right in the best possible way <laughs> so much has happened it feels like you know if it, it feels like, man, I don't understand how they do it. Did all that in just 11 minutes. Even with, um, even these scenes that had no dialogue, but also just had these moments of Lupin. Like, for me, what really stood out for me was the scene where Lupin was driving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's really having that contemplative look. There's not really a flashback. There's not even, like even like an insight to his inner thoughts. He's just driving and he's kind of like losing himself in thought. And Jigen's like, yo, the light turned green, which gives it a very humanistic feel. Mm, Oh yeah. And it made for really good storytelling and really good pacing in this episode. And for me, it was pretty empathetic too, because I don't know about you, but I love driving. And have you ever had those moments where you just have a day and you're, and you're like cruising and you kind of just lose focus. You look up at the stars, maybe, or at the clouds, and then you realize, oh shit, I'm driving. And you you do you go back and do your thing. I love that. I don't even mm-hmm. know why I'm putting so much emphasis on it, but I love that. Yeah. And 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 compared, you know, again, well, we're always going to be we're going to be comparing it to Sherlock and whatever. But that was, was well done. Say, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say thank thank you for putting so much emphasis on that because I can't relate. Oh, yeah, because you don't drive. Sorry. Well, you know, when you go for a walk, do you ever just go for a walk and just forget that you're going for a walk? Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the time. It's like I'll set out for work. I'll be thinking about something, and then I'll just, like, snap out of it. I'm like, I've walked over a mile already. I'm halfway to work. (laughs) Yeah, like, that's how well that pacing was. Yeah, that was was exactly what I thought of, too, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like it, it allows like Lupin to be like an actual three dimensional character, but it's like you know it's fun when when it's like you know like a silly part two caper where he's just like you know like you know horny goofball right. stealing stuff, but like I understand I understand now when the writer of the series uh, Shigeru uh, Murakoshi mentioned that like we're gonna see emotions from Lupin that like we haven't seen before that you don't see often like it 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 really fleshes him out as a character. And like, we've in like two episodes in and we've gotten like a handful of scenes or even more than a handful. Like yeah. each episode has had a number of moments, like the previous episode when he goes down the rooftop and he's like smoking by himself and he's hesitating when Jigen asks him about like, you know, what's, what's up with the diamond and everything. And like, it's, it's, it's it, even the moment um, in this episode when they're like, uh, they're, they're looking out on the cliff and, um, I think Jigen asked Lupin why, like he's had, he's been sporting that frown all day, and it kind of brushes it off yeah. and looks at him and smiles, and he's like, "I just think about eating, you know, something other than soba for once." And Jigen and Goemon <laughs> know it's bullshit because Jigen quickly responds with, "I'm going to put you six feet under," and Goemon says, "I'll help with that." Because right. like, you get him trying to brush it off, and like they finally get, and even with Jigen and Goemon, when they get to the uh, the little, you know, their little hideout, Jigen kind of gets inquisitive and mentions that, you know, like he's like, I'm still reeling from the fact that the words, you know, my mother, you know, left your lips. 
and he sees Lupin's reaction, but he quietly just responds, but, you know, I'm not going to press you for details. That was also, like, a nice little moment for Jigen, too. Like, they, they feel... I know this sounds like an odd way to say it, but they feel like people, which is such an odd but very welcome change in this arc. Lupin, the third dimension. Hey. <laughs> not to be confused with <laughs> Lupin, the third, the movie, the first... The, <laughs> I will say that um, I think one of the reasons why as a writer I'm so glad that Lupin the Third was my first venture into writing even if it was fan fiction and it's just because you know over the years especially up to the point where I started writing because I started writing in the mid 2000s and up to that point we didn't really have a lot of Lupin the Third um, um, content that really had um like a core emotional through line or even just like actual character death. And I'm not saying that none of the episodes had like episode, like character death or anything. We've had a lot of different storylines where it will explore one character or two characters or all of the characters or none. I mean, woman, woman called Fujiko Mine is a perfect example of this. You know, it really delved deep into whom Fujiko is as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, Dragon of Doom really goes into a little bit of Goemon um, backstory and also like what makes him tick. I kind of joke like, I, I kind of riff on that film, like when spoiler alert, when Kikio dies, I kind of make a quote where it's like, "No, no, I already planned the name of our children because you know he was already <laughs> falling for Kikio." And um, even something like Voyage to Danger had Ooh. an emotional through line with Jigen, where you kind of want to root for Karen because Karen, you know, is hurt and you know wants to get back at Jigen. But you don't know the truth until Jigen tells his own version of the story. Um, and that's what I loved about writing the characters. I wanted to go even more further in depth with characters and kind of figure out what makes them tick. And that's what I'm loving about this right now, because, you know, you're getting these awesome moments. And I've written these awesome moments. But from actual canon by the writers, you're getting these wonderful moments of like Jigen being concerned for Lupin and, um, you know, this adorable fight between Goemon and Jigen on who's going to cook dinner. And the fact that this isn't even half of what we're, we're going to see with Lupin Mm. over his past, like, Oh Lord. Like again, I, cause I've been rewriting my story and posting it on AO3 at this point, I'm going to put a disclaimer, like, keep in mind, I wrote this storyline five, 10 years ago and I didn't realize that it was going to be the same until TMS. <laughs> TMS did their own version. And I'm just like, uh... you know, I'm, I'm looking over our, uh, uh, our checklist over here. And I feel like this is a good point to mention that a good place to mention that, the way part five or part six, sorry, is, you know, examining why these characters are who they are. Mm-hmm. They're doing a much better job of it than part five did. Because oh, yes. part, five attempted, part five attempted the same thing. And yep. but I think six is doing it so much better. Okay, mm-hmm. good. I, at this part five, we can check that off. <laughs> I think when part five failed, honestly... What part five tried to do was try to explain from Lupin's dynamic what is his relationship with all the characters. And the only ones they ever really they ever really went in depth with were Fujiko and Goemon. Let's mm-hmm. be real. 
they did they didn't really have it with Zenigata, and they didn't really I mean, have it at all with Jigen. They tried. They tried with both of them, but it just yeah, it didn't work. It ended up being like didn't work. a few lines some... of dialogue in the last arc is like all it was. Yeah. But even then, like, I feel like it didn't work with Goemon and Fujiko. With Goemon, it got to a point where it started getting annoying. And I'm not going to lie. Like, I have a love-hate relationship with Part 5. But the biggest thing that annoyed me with Part 5 was the was the Goemon and Fujiko dynamics. Where Fujiko kept asking Lupin, what am I to you? And Goemon did the same fucking thing. Yeah. Well, Fujiko I- saying it to Lupin, what Yeah. I guess I didn't mind it with Fujiko as much because they set that one up early in the show. The Goemon one frustrates me because yeah. that just happens in the fourth arc. Well, they slightly tease it, but like with Fujiko, at least it was set up like really early on. And then Goemon's like, yeah, well, me too. And it's like, no, 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 no don't do this twice. No, no, it's no, like, no, no, no. <laughs> it's well, see, like, like it's already I mean, working in one oh, and don't try to repeat it. Stop it, y'all. <laughs> see, like, so, some of life with the whole Fujiko thing is that we don't see her much at all in those first few episodes. Mm-hmm. So when she shows up in a, at the end of one of my favorite episodes, the assassins gather in the wasteland, mm-hmm. you know, you know, when she shows up at the end of that one, you're like, Oh, she, Oh yeah. Her shit. This is big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they kind of fumbled that, but yeah, but yeah, you know, Fujiko showing up finally and, you know, interacting with Lupine is just, you know, it, it just really got everything going. I think it's just like, what happened between them? What's going on? Why does she want to kill him this time? You know, I would just say the whole Goemon thing. It's like, I thought it was cool how they, how they tried to approach it, but in the mm-hmm. end, I just don't think it worked. Like the whole thing with Goemon, you know, confronting his past self from part one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was nifty. That I like, did think was neat. Yeah. But, yeah, just, but just everything in, else. Was, yeah. yeah. Just in general, <laughs> it, it didn't work and it, it left me really frustrated um, Same. If they had more time to develop it, maybe I would have enjoyed it. But I honestly feel like I've written better relationship dynamics and explained their relationship dynamics better in my own shit than what Part Five tried to do. So, not to toot my own horn. Maybe that final arc should have been more than four episodes. No, <laughs> we agree. Especially when you try to give Mark Zuckerberg a fucking emotional through line, and you cannot give Mark Zuckerberg an emotional through line. Oh, we don't talk Sorry, about it. I'm that, I'm that angry. <laughs> That's <laughs> we don't we don't talk about Enzo. Right. We don't talk about Enzo. Oh, oh, oh! I'm gonna make that parody song. <laughs> I, I'm 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 gonna reserve my fear, but like, I I, I did get like like kind of a knee-jerk reaction to the next episode being a one-off because this has happened before in the first half where it's like we got two episodes that kind of hooked us and then four one-offs completely threw off the entire, you know, momentum of the arc, Lupin versus Holmes. But I've got like a bit more hope because obviously this arc's going to have to take a little bit more time and it's, there's no guarantee that this one's going to be structured the same way. I don't know. It's just the fact that there were two story episodes and one off. I'm like, I've seen this shit before. I know it's just, don't, don't you dare. Don't do it. It's like, I don't want for one off. I've seen this once before. Recently, in fact. <laughs> but again, I'll reserve my judgment because maybe it factors into it somehow. Maybe the, the episode after this will be, you know, a story one. I just hope 
this arc is more than five episodes long. <laughs> Looking at you, Lupin versus Holmes, because that's a lot to cram <laughs> in into five episodes. But I, I am kind of excited for the next one because the next episode is written by um, uh, uh, Akira Kendaichi, and they only have a kind of a small handful of credits. They wrote for a, a few episodes for uh, Bakugan, uh, Dororo, Garo, Vanishing Line, uh, that recent series, God of High School, um, Kake, Kakegurui, and like just a few other things. And like, I'm, it, you know, maybe this is the way it should be done. Maybe you should give the one offs to people that have a tiny handful of credits and not the first half of your series. Anyways, <laughs> I, I rest my case. <laughs> Again, I'm reserving my judgment because you're right, Drew. This happened with the Lupin versus Sherlock. It hooked us in, and then suddenly it started giving us a bunch of one-offs. Again, I don't mind one-offs for Lupin. I oh, fucking even did it in my own story. However, it does throw from the actual storyline, and then, again, I don't... <sighs> I'm I'm saving I'm reserving my judgment and I'm trying not to be as anxious or excited because yeah. I got thoroughly disappointed with Lupin versus Sherlock, but I'll I'll shut up now and just reserve my judgment because well, <laughs> I am excited for this one off. I do think it's interesting though how that first break in the uh, Lupin versus Holmes story has our uh, lovable arsonist in sort of like the opposite situation that he's in here. Because at the end oh. of that, you know, at the end of the second episode of part six, you know, Holmes essentially ran Lupin out of London. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, Lupin pretty much had to take the L on that one, I think. Mm-hmm. But in this one, there's no question that he's the victor in his, yep. you know, conflict against uh, uh, Mercedes. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I think that it's kind of an interesting reversal of that, of that dynamic, and of course, one I like a lot better. Oh no, same. And honestly, it, it kind of gives me hope because, like, it ends with a bit more narrative momentum. Because the last one was, "Well, we're leaving London." Like, you know, I guess we'll see you at some point. Whereas this one ends with, "Like, we're going to go find Tomoe." So it, 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 I've got a bit more hope that, like, maybe this arc, and maybe I don't know, but like for for a fact, maybe this upcoming one-off isn't like a one-off, one-off. It could be tangentially related in some way, just with a different scriptwriter. So kind of like you know a, a part four situation, almost. Which that'd be nice. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it? Well, like I feel like with the uh, you know with the second episode of part six, or or leading into the one about the uh, uh, bogus transcontinental railroad, which I thought was a solid episode. It was all right. Oh yeah. But that one felt more like, yeah, we're just going to stop this story and do a bunch of very, very loosely related stuff, then come back to it. This one feels like we know where we're going with this, but we're probably going to have a few, you know, uh, branching off adventures along the way mm, that aren't yeah. necessarily connected. Yeah. It, it feels more organic this way, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. I agree. Again, I agree. Again, we shall see. But I am looking forward to this next episode. It's another Jigen um, one-off, right? And and, th- and those tend to be good. I don't think oh, there's yeah. a single, I don't think there's I don't think there's been a single Jigen focused episode in the entire franchise that wasn't great. That wasn't among oh. the best episodes of their, its respective series. Hell, even mm-hmm. back to going back to core emotional throughline, like Jigen had some good ones over the years. Like my favorite emotional core line episodes come from part two, one where you find out he almost married 
a woman who ended up becoming a nun and another oh, one yeah. this one was never dubbed but another one where um a childhood friend of his that he fell in love with um was on her deathbed like he gets some really good ones with like previous women in his life and i think this is what's um coming up with this episode so i i mm. am really excited for it you know natalie i'm very disappointed you did not mention uh the one about the ballerina oh that one did not really have an emotional core line but it was a jegan focused episode and it was really really great okay look i kind of equate that one with the with the with the um with the flamenco dancer who were the, they, oh, they got the plot from the opera carmen right that's why i equate that one i love that episode but it doesn't have an emotional core line it's just jigan getting two timed by another woman so I'm trying to think i guess the only jigan episode i can think of that didn't quite work for me is the part two one where he loses his hat and you find out he aims with his hat and without his hat he's useless yeah that one makes me so mad <laughs> but the episode's so still dumb. really funny <laughs> so like i have a love-hate relationship with that I one <laughs> Yeah. I guess that's an emotional emotional <laughs> through line one because Jiga does go through some shit, but it's yes. not as emotional as say, you know, the the former love of his life who became a nun dies in his arms, but I was gonna say he went through some shit and he also went through some hats. Yeah. <laughs> Sombrero Jigan, Sombrero yeah, Jigan. that is the one visual from that episode that stays with me. <laughs> It's for me. It's that and uh, having all the fedoras on on a uh, clothesline. Jigen <laughs> with the fedoras, and also um, uh, Goemon playing his card game and pointing and laughing at Lupin because he picked <laughs> the wrong one for some reason. Right. Yeah. Wait a minute. Do you think Do you think Jigen and Goemon's card game in this week's episode is a callback to that? Maybe. Oh, that would be interesting. Oh man, that would be great. If that's what that was. Well, then again, I mean. We me the first time because the pencil shaving eating cat showed up in my favorite episode of part five. So, <laughs> so you know they're not a they're, they're not afraid to reference the weirder stuff. Indeed, indeed. I guess that means um, um, I guess that means at some point in part six, um, uh, I guess the uh, the Deus Ex Machina when uh, Lupin eventually faces off with you know his former master Tomoe is going to be the uh, the popcorn launcher Doom buggy. <laughs> I do have a feeling it might be like that. Not necessarily the popcorn launcher, but it's going to be something along those lines, and I am here for it. <laughs> it, it ain't going to happen, but God, that'd be beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So, on that note, any final thoughts, guys? I am very happy with the way the last two episodes have gone. Like, I appreciate the genuine character exploration that's kind of been given for largely Lupin, obviously, but even like the rest of the members of the gang all feel like three-dimensional characters. And it's been a really nice change of pace, especially with Goemon taking a hardcore backseat in the main story of Lupin versus Holmes and Jigen not doing much either. Fujiko got a lot of love in it. And especially in the one-offs, but I, I I love the care that each member of the gang has gotten, and the the little glimpse in Lupin's past was was not too revealing, but still oddly you know fulfilling. It was just enough. Agreed. You know, uh, speaking of you know three dimensional characters, I feel like we've kind of uh, skipped over something. 
you know, Zena got his uh, two uh, groupies. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I cannot bring myself to care about Yada. And then and then they add another Yada. <laughs> Yada lady. <laughs> There's Yada, Yada lady. <laughs> Yada man lady. No, no, no. I, under- I understand you, Chris. I, I don't care for Yada either. I do think he's adorable, but he really is just um, Zenigata's fanboy. Um. He's a prop. Yeah, 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 he's a prop so that you know, Koichi Yamadera doesn't have to talk to himself. <laughs> I, I mean, you're not wrong, but I don't mind him. I do like this other Yada lady still. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I don't know, mind Zenigata Jr. <laughs> Baby, Babby Zenigata. Babby Zenigata. Zenigaga. But... <laughs> But <laughs> very but nice. Like, yeah, I just don't. I feel like there's not enough, you know, characterization with Yada, you know, to fill this mug here. I mean, oh, oh. It's well, like, you know what? I will give you that, especially in like the series in Prison. Of the, you haven't seen Prison of the Past yet, right? No, I haven't. In Prison of the Past, like he actually gets like some genuinely funny, like the the, the, the dynamic between him and Zendigada is like a bit more well thought out and kind of humorous for his right. like Zenigata is like super experienced and Yada doesn't know quite what he's doing. And they have like some great back and right. forth, but they haven't really like, yeah, I, ex- they've really used that well in the TV series yet. Yeah. And then I feel, I feel like adding, you know, another one is, uh, it, it makes him sound inhuman to, to refer to it that way, but I'll say it anyway, the fact that they're adding another one, I feel like it's, there's no, nothing's going to come of it. So we got Yada I, and Yada Yada. I, I, can't believe I'm, I can't believe I'm thinking about <laughs> yada, this yada, right yada. now, but it wouldn't surprise me if this female, if this female Yada, it's either one of two things. One, they just put her in there because woman and the series, you know, the, the series vocalization is woman. But also, when it, when it, I have a feeling, and I don't, and you know, I kind of want to talk to Guillaume about this because one thing I will say that I learned about Guillaume when we hung out in person was that he is really good on picking up plot lines. Like his whole thing about Lestrade wasn't bullshit, obviously, but I did question it until I started seeing the context clues myself. But I want to ask him, doesn't it feel like maybe this woman might have something nefarious going on later? Mm-hmm. And I don't even have anything to, to to think of her as being a villain, but it wouldn't surprise me if she was. So. The old angel tactics. Honestly, I thought the same, <laughs> yeah. honestly, I thought the, I thought the same thing about Yada when he was first revealed. That's I didn't true. think that about Yada at all. I was I just mean, like, who the hell is who the hell is this fanboy? Well, I mean it's just like, you know, Zenigata has a new partner. It's like he's either you know, hilariously incompetent. He's going to be dead. Like Victor. Or, or he's evil. You know, it's... <laughs> oh, yeah, Vicky, yeah. Yeah, and again, like, and I mentioned this with Guillaume when we were in person, that when Zenigata does get a partner, it does. it's very short-lived. Like, Maria yeah, yeah. in Tokyo Crisis, the love is unrequited, and it's not even really a partner. She's She was just a journalist. Then mm-hmm. there's that one bitch from Angel Tactics that ends up betraying him. 
same with the Columbo lookalike in um, mm -hmm. um, Alcatraz Connection. Mm -hmm. And then so, there's the incompetent idiot Victor from um, Island of Assassins. Oh, God, that, that bit where he breaks Pops is like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, pop, Pops is like, oh, every time. Uh, but see, see, what didn't help is that I first watched that special while my leg was in a cast. Oh, oh from no! Having broken, from having from having broken my shin a few weeks before, and so Ooh. yeah, I I don't I don't rewatch Island of Assassins much. <laughs> it's just like like I liked it except for that one part. <laughs> Although we'll hand it to him. That. Good on him for the good on him for the. Good on for the the, the 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 double dip gag where it happens twice. Which is... I know. I mean, like, I mean, like it is funny, but oh man, hard to watch. It's funny, but mm. this was also around the same. It's too close to home. Yeah. yeah. Well, this was also around the same time I once, you know, wheeled myself into, you know, the living room where I was at the house I was in at the time, and my entire family was watching Misery. And so I'm like, oh. yeah, no, I'm going to back out. And I'm just going to go back to my bedroom. I know what's coming. <laughs> I just had the mental image of like the living room, people watching it. Chris just rolls in, looks, and just quietly just backs up without even touching right. the rules. <laughs> just... <laughs> oh, man. Of all the times, I'm going to show that movie on TV. But anyway, so yeah, like that, I, I thought there was something suspicious going on with Yada when he was first revealed. Then it turns out there absolutely nothing was going on with him. It's, I mean, like, yeah, he does, I mean, he does have quirk, not plural quirks. He has a quirk <laughs> and it's just not all that interesting. Mm, yeah. And then, I mean, again, you know, like, what's her name? Ari mm -hmm. or Yada too. I feel like, you know, to be fair, she was just introduced this week, so you know we probably didn't really get a, a good feel of, of what kind of person she is. But mm -hmm. again, going back with how Yada's been so far, I just got a feeling she's going to end up being entirely uh, pointless. Yeah, I mean she's cute, but that's pretty much all I can say about her so far. Again, the only thing I like about her is that she has the same name as my older cousin. My older cousin's name is Ariadna, but we call her Ari, so. That's cute. Yeah. So nice. that's the only thing. But again, we're all in agreement. Episode was nice. Heck it was yeah. fun. We're still a little trepidatious, and we're excited <laughs> for the Jigen episode. Cautiously, cautiously positive. Cautiously optimistic. Indeed. Indeed. The reason why I ask is because I'm sorry, you guys, it's going to be a long night for me. I don't know about you, but I'm very lazy when it comes to unpacking from any vacation I go to. It could be going to Fanime for five days, which is in town, or yeah, like what happened recently, going to Switzerland for two weeks. Yep, I still haven't really unpacked. I, I was actually going through my suitcase today. Like physically and or emotionally? No, like literally five <laughs> minutes ago while we were talking, I was going through my suitcase and in my pile of dirty clothes, I found something. It's a What'd little stinky. I do apologize. It smells <laughs> like sweat. <laughs> but it's something from Guillaume. Oh my God. You mean you mean our man in Switzerland? Yes. The, da the uh, dapper gentleman himself? <laughs> <laughs> the dapper dandy gentleman himself. Ah, shit. Um, 
Yeah, he gave me this message that for some reason was buried deep in my in my dirty clothes. Hmm. So sorry for the sweat and um, firewood smell, but here you go, Drew. You see, oh, oh God, uh, no, no, that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, you know, you know, a little bit of Febreze, I'll be fine. As a matter of fact, let me. Febreze uh... on it. You're good. <laughs> Greetings, Lupontic folks! Before we go into the review of Lupin the Third Part 6, Episode 14, I need to make some corrections from my previous review. The subtitles have revealed that Mercedes Camilo's gang is not called Elvila, but Elvira, after a victim of the Spanish Inquisition. This might be a reference to Elvira del Campo of Toledo, who, in 1568, was accused of secretly practicing Judaism, and Judaism at the time was considered to be heresy. She was subjected to prolonged sessions of torture by the Spanish Inquisition. If you are even a little bit squeamish, I suggest you don't read the details of the many horrors she was subjected to until the Inquisition got the confession they wanted. Considering how modern-day feminism has completely reappropriated the witch figure, and that this part is called Witch vs. Gentleman, this makes thematic sense. Second of all, we discover that most members of the Elvira gang are men disguised as their leader, muting my point about Lupin shooting at women from my previous review a little. As an aside, this makes Mercedes the protagonist of a reverse harem. Count me in! Uh, sorry, I'll behave. Some of my previous assumptions were confirmed, however, mainly that Tomoe is still alive and that she is leading Lupin into taking action in order to find the truth about her fake death. Speaking of Tomoe, the biggest truth bomb in this episode is that we learn she was not Lupin's actual biological mother, but an instructor that became a mother figure. For some, this might sound like a cheat, but remember what I told you about marketing. Always take promotional lines with a grain of salt. The fans' reactions are comically summed up by Jigen's own reaction in a bit of meta-commentary. For me, this revelation is a good way to keep some of Lupin's mystery intact while exploring uncharted territory, mainly that Lupin was basically subjected to a Damien Wayne-like training routine with Tomoe as Talia al Ghul. But before we get to this point, we first pay a visit to Matya in the hospital, with Lupin showing his true face, expressing clear remorse upon putting the young florist in danger. Matya reveals herself to be wiser and stronger than she let us believe, surprising Lupin himself. I have the feeling that Matya's mysterious words about love have a hidden meaning, and she too might be a disciple of Tomoe's, just like Mercedes is revealed to be. Mercedes also talks about love, motherly love to be precise, and it is clear that this type of affection is at the heart of it all. Tomoe considered all her pupils like her children, and that kind of relationship can create strong bonds, even devotion. And you know how devotion is a double-edged sword. The episode shines by its great use of every member of the regular cast, with each character having their chance to shine at least once, through comedy and or action. 
Even Goemon gets some spotlight. I admit I found the Soba joke quite funny, and again it hits all the right notes. Culinary shenanigans are a staple of the franchise, and Murakoshi understood that completely. Bonus point for keeping the Napoleon card game and making it a recurring item of Lupin and the gang's daily lives. Murakoshi really knows how to use references organically. The climax of the episode gives everyone a role in this masterclass in Lupin giving his adversaries the illusion of an easy victory only to trick the tricksters. We have classic elements like Lupin coming down from the ceiling, Jigen disguised as Lupin, Goemon cutting worthless objects and so on. Fujiko being part of Lupin's final takedown of Mercedes was a very nice touch, proving once more that in part 6, Lupin and Fujiko work a lot more as a tandem. I was quite surprised when Fujiko went as far as to praise Lupin by telling Mercedes everyone going after the thief is bound to lose. The returning hologram projecting beetles were also a clever use of already established elements. Back to the climax, I will admit that when Lupin had his gun aimed at Mercedes, the direction, dialogue and Kurita's flawless delivery made me really concerned if Lupin would indeed shoot her or not. Most times like this, we, the spectators, already know the answer because we trust the characters and it's very rare for Lupin to kill someone in cold blood, especially a woman. But I don't know if it's because of how the episode built up the stakes or just thanks to Kurita's delivery, but I was genuinely scared for Mercedes. There was such a darkness in Lupin's words that I was having trouble swallowing my own spit. If I'm giving the impression of gushing over Kanichi Kurita so much, it's because it is exceedingly rare for our main voice actor to get the chance to push the character into new territories, speech-wise at least. We are so used to his general debonair demeanor that we feel comfortable listening to his Lupin, as if we were on a pleasant and steady cruise. But here... You really feel like there is something inside of Lupin that could make him pull the trigger. And yet he doesn't. Because there is something else inside of Lupin, and that is his gentleman's side. We tend to forget that Lupin is technically a gentleman thief. And while he started as a lecherous parody of his classy grandfather, and that even in the anime his attitude towards women often led to comical comeuppance, Lupin can be a true gentleman when he wants to. In this episode, he shows it by his concern and attention towards Matya at the hospital, and at the end of the episode, he proves it by sparing Mercedes' life, because to him, women are the most precious treasure. <laughs> what a king! Funnily enough, this reminds me of the opening song to the French dub of part 2 that has a similar line. We do not have many gentleman-like characters in modern fiction, maybe because being a gentleman does imply a form of gallantry that can be seen as chauvinistic, but at the same time, such a charming yet respectful attitude towards women can lead to beautiful moments in fiction, just like the one we just had with this episode. I am glad that this focus on Lupin's relationship with women is giving us the occasion to explore these sides of both the character and the franchise as a whole. This certainly gives Lupin some welcome depth. The episode ends with Lupin's resolve to find Tomoe 
and the answers to the mystery of her disappearance. This arc fully articulates itself around Lupin and his decision to take action. This, again, is pretty rare when we think about it. More often, Lupin is a catalyst, a disturbance in someone else's story that will ultimately help resolve the conflict, like the Raven arc. Here, Lupin is the protagonist, in the original Greek sense of the term. He is the one that will take action to make the plot go forward. And that, my friends, is exciting. This arc is really shaping up to become something great. And while we must always be cautious of our own enthusiasm, it's very difficult for me to repress my anticipation. That's all for me, Lopantic folks. You can find me on Twitter at William Barbey, B-A-B-E-Y, on Deventart and ArtStation as Shin Red Deer, S-H-I-N-R-E-D-D-E-A-R, and you can even commission me or send me a tip on my coffee, also under Shin Red Deer. Next time, we have a guest-written episode with Jigen crashing a wedding party. I swear that man has a thing for lady doctors. Until next time, stay safe, Lupantic folks. And remember, when deceiving someone, take not double, but triple measures. Hmm. Again, Drew, I am super sorry for that. <coughs> it's fine. It's all good. It's, it's a little bit more of a... It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> Got nothing to worry about. Uh, on, on that note, we should we should probably call it a night. I should probably open a, I, need I open, should probably unwrap. I got some windows to open, you know, some, some fans to put around. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Madly, where can we find you? Well, um, currently with my dog. I, I, I had to bring him in because he kept whining. But you can find me on Twitter at C A P L I H E L L S I N G. You can also find me on Instagram at Captain C A P T A I N L I H E L L S I N G. Yeah. Um, Chris, where can we find you? Uh, you know, around. Drew, where can we find you? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you can find me on... Uh, yeah, nobody cares where you are, Drew. Um, oh! Again, Fair kidding, point. kidding, kidding. No, it's not. Yes, <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter, at uh, Dr. Furball. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Newgrounds, and a few other places, because I can never remember uh, how many accounts I have across the interwebs at Amazing Chris Godby. It's a G-O-D-B-E-Y. You can find my web comics at weirdinacan.com and draw ocoward dot thecomicseries.org. And Drew, where can we find you and of course our podcast? Because we do legitimately care, just so you know. Ah, thank you. I really, I, really, I really was just kidding. I swear. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. Nobody cares where I am right now because right now I'm surrounded by the aftermath of, for Georgia standards, a blizzard. So honestly, you're not too far off. <laughs> this is why I love living in California. <laughs> God has forsaken us here. But apart from that. <laughs> but God be heaven. I'm right here. Hey, hey. 
God be with us indeed. You can find me on Twitter at DrewHunter15. That's a D-R-E-W-H-U-N-T-E-R-1-5. You can find our podcast on Twitter at LupinPod. That's L-U-P-I-N-P-O-D. You can find us on Instagram at the same at. And you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, <clears throat> five stars, please. And at this point, I'm done. I'm tired of like, asking nicely. Five stars. God damn it. We demand it. If you know what's good for you. <laughs> Let's, just like the Mercedes, we're holding the bank in Mexico. We hold you up for those five stars, people. Five stars, five pesos, whatever. And also, more like Lupin holding the gun to Mercedes at the end of the episode. Give us five stars, or, you, or your time will never come. <laughs> oh, Lord. I, I didn't think we'd ever start threatening the audience at this point. I'm surprised it took us so long. <laughs> it's the fight or flight sense, and I'm the penguin. I can't fly, so fight. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Hey, the the the, uh, the the request for five stars matched the tone of the episode, and this episode ended on a pretty stark note. So you know, we're keeping it, we're keeping it in theme here. But you know, please, if you want to, please, God, give us the validation. We, I'm sorry, I take it back. Just please, five stars. All right. Yeah. <laughs> there. We're lonely kids. We just we just want to be validated. Kids. <laughs> Holy shit! I'm 31 years old. Hey, I'm here. <laughs> mm. Thank you. <laughs> and on that and note. And on that note. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See you soon, Lupontic folks. Have a good evening. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Next time on Sideburns and Cigarettes. Speaking of the minister here, dearly beloved, bitterly hated, you know who you are. We are gathered here today to witness our first gigantic episode for this arc. God be praised. No, you're right. I do deserve praise. Thank you for that. Here comes the bride. Oh, wait. That's that's just Jigen going to a wedding. Elaine! Elaine! Elaine!